BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Yeah, what's up? It's your boy, Joel Ortiz. And I want everybody to make sure that they subscribe and download the podcast, Library Rap, the hip-hop interviews with Tim Einenko. Yo, Tim, I hope all is well. You my guy. I know these interviews are not interviews. They're actually conversations, and I appreciate them all. Yeah, well. Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Ice-T. I want you to do something for me. Make sure you download and subscribe Library Rap, the hip-hop interviews. With Tim I and Cal. It is old fucking official. Alright? Stop playing. Download and subscribe. Library rap. The hip hop interviews with Tim I and Cal. It's cold. Get on deeper in the source with the three page ad. Watch as the hood rap Messiah climb swiftly. Labels scared to death to let they artists wrong with me. The next guest you've heard on there is this lounge with the Outsiders, Flipmode Squad, as Dirty Harriet, and so much more. She's an incredible person, an equally incredible artist. She's the legendary Rod Digger, and I want to welcome her to the library with Tim Einekel on allhiphop.com. Rod Digger, thanks so much for being here. Thank you for having me. So uh, you've studied, uh, as stories, you studied electrical engineering. So how come I'm talking to you as the legendary hip-hop artist, Rod Digger, and not the legendary electrical engineer? Uh, what drew you to hip-hop and rap as your career? Uh, at some point, all of those theories and algorithms got boring. <laughs> no, I, well, I, I tell you this. Um, I grew up in a very musical household with my parents just like, playing all of the the 33 inch vinyl joints and and once hip-hop began you know i guess getting more notoriety i was noticing i was recognizing a lot of the the uh samples from the records that my parents were playing in hip-hop records in particular epmd like he uh they they sampled a lot of stuff from the group zap and that was like one of my uh, one of my mom's favorite albums to play. And I'm like, wait, more bounce to the ounce. Hey, I, I know these records. And I think that that really drew me to hip hop, just recognizing a lot of those, uh, those notes and those compositions that, that my parents played so much when I was growing up. Hmm. Uh, you're obviously a, you're, you're a student of the art form and you told author uh, Paul Edwards who wrote the book, How to Rap, that you studied, quote, KRS-One, Rakam, Kooji uh, Rap from the Juice Crew kind of set the standards for you. Uh, yes. So if Kooji Rap set the standards for you, uh, what did uh, 
you know, and, you know, what did Rakim and what did Karis one do for you? Well, Karis one, uh, made me listen. Like, I think it was just like his, uh, authoritative tone. It was, uh, it was, he was putting a lot of educational gems in the, cause I, I've always been, you know, a big fan of education. Like I crave knowledge. Like I, I, I look forward to learning new stuff every day. It's probably why I've been watching Jeopardy all my life. Like I always like discovering new things and I felt like I was just learning a lot listening to KRS-One, like he made learning cool and he was so dope and, and so competitive. Like he'd battle anybody, he'd kick your ass. And, you know, he uh, he inspired me to, to read more. And that was something that, I, uh, that definitely drew me to KRS-One, the fact that uh, this rapper made education cool. Hmm. And Rakim... From him, I think I adapted the the seriousness uh, in nature from him. Like I, for some reason, I thought it wasn't okay to smile. <laughs> I I didn't think it was like I didn't think you know you could do that. Like he always came across very serious. I never saw him smile in videos or just anytime I saw him. So I I was like okay so. Uh, this is how you write a 16 bar as according to, you know, uh, according to Kooji rap, uh, you always have to attempt to teach something as per KRS one and whatever you do, do not smile, do not have fun, <laughs> be serious all the time. <laughs> Are there, uh, like each of those artists, was there a particular song or the first song you ever heard from that kind of you know, stood out for you or even like that song that when you started really getting serious about the art and writing that you were, I guess, trying to achieve or get to, um, I guess, exactly. If you were to write a song that was a KRS one song, a Rakim song or a Kooji rap song, which of those songs would those be? Uh, Kooji rap was for me, uh, the standout song for Kooji rap was, uh, I want to say road to the riches mm -hmm. because I think that was the point where I may have started looking at hip hop as a, a serious and viable career. So everything that he was saying in that record just made sense to me. Like, okay. Um, like now I have to figure out how to turn this hobby of mine into a career. And, you know, I want to make money. I want to be able to take care of my family, move my, you know, move my mom and dad off the hood and, and road, road to the riches just kind of inspired me to do that. In addition to teaching me how to put together the, the perfect uh, simulation of metaphors, similes and, and uh, rhyme schemes and double and triple entendres. Um, it was probably road to the riches for me. Uh, KRS-One KRS-One was probably I don't know there were there were a few KRS records that put me there I mean I, I enjoyed the the battles with uh, with the Juice Crew even though I was upset with him <laughs> going at the Juice Crew because the Juice Crew was my uh, and still is actually my favorite crew of all time like if I was one of those uh 
traveling groupies that like traveled my favorite, you know, that followed my favorite rock band around the globe. Like I was definitely doing that with Juice Crew. So I was a little upset with KRS, but he taught me that, hey, you know, and anybody can get can get it at any time. Um, so with KRS one, it's actually hard to pinpoint. It's actually hard to pinpoint one song because uh, Black Cop definitely signified something in me. Um, All Yeah definitely signified something in me. Um, there were there were just a a, a lot of records. I think uh, read a book. Like there were just there were a lot of. I it's it's hard to to pinpoint one particular Kara song, but I think at that time my favorite might have been still number one. Mm-hmm. Like that was the, you know, that was the fun uh kick your ass record. Like, yeah, I'm the shit. Um because so it's, it's all about the, you know, the braggadocia at the end of the day. <laughs> and for Rakim uh, hmm. Eric, I'm gonna say Eric B for president. That probably was the first. That probably was the first uh, Rakim record that I heard. But I um, yeah, I just like he was so smooth and and his voice was just so baritone and it kind of reminded me of my voice. Like, okay, this is you know this is what you do with your voice when you have a voice like this. Right. And and just delivered at that smoothness and that seriousness, even though I didn't really come out to be much of a smooth rapper. I thought I was being smooth, but <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm actually very loud and aggressive, which probably was the KRS uh, effect. Mm. Um, but I think what's uh, kind of interesting about these three artists is that, uh, you know, you're from Jersey and they're not from Jersey. Uh, if you could kind of, and, if you could kind of take us back to the hip hop scene when you were growing up in Jersey, what was that like? I mean, was it, um, I remember talking to Elder Sensei, you know, a few years back and he talked about one of his beginnings that sometimes they would come to New York city and not tell people they were from New Jersey because it was just not a thing for, you know, Jersey rappers to you know be a thing. What was, so for you, right. what was that hip hop scene like in Jersey growing up? Was it as, you know, acceptable? I, I don't know if acceptable is the right word for this, but acceptable as it is. Now. I know what you mean. Yeah. Well, for me, and well, it was that uh, uh, L is right. It was definitely all about New York, but I thought New York was like, you know, as a child, as a child, I thought New York was like some faraway land. Even though my parents took me there all the time, I would be a kid in the back seat of the car, falling asleep, and I'd just wake up and be in New York. I don't know how long it took us to get there. I, I don't know if we, you know, I don't know if uh, <laughs> if we uh, photon beamed ourselves there. Like I don't. Um, as far as like rapping, it it seemed like something out of this world until until I saw a flavor unit. Now, mind you, as a, as a little kid now, I was, uh, I was a part of flavor unit. Like I was like a little young and, uh, running behind them and, and, and actually got to meet Latifah. And I, I was working closely with her road manager at the time, a guy by the name of ruler Laura Ramsey, who she shouted out in all her, her early works that became my manager at one point. And I actually had a rap partner too. We were, we were twice the flavor from flavor unit and, together we just kind of like embarked on this path and to me that was the first I guess 
inclination to me that that this was something attainable being from Jersey. Like once I started seeing Queen Latifah in the mix, it was like it was like, hold up that I can actually be from Jersey and do this. One of the things I really appreciate about your uh, your your music is that you're able to just throw in lines that doesn't have to rhyme. It just they're so powerful, just lines, and I always think about them. And um, something that stands out is that you spit in this ain't a little kid rap. I'm a rapper's rapper, and I think I like that line because there's I always wonder who who is yeah you're a rapper's rapper, but who was your rapper? Like who was uh, Rod Nigga's rapper's rapper? Uh, growing up, or who was that? Maybe even that person in Jersey, that MC in Jersey, that um, no one, no one might know about, or just didn't never made it, but had such a profound effect on you as an artist. Uh, hmm. Well, I can tell you, there was a guy by the name of Cornelius that I used to battle when I was younger, and he gave me. I, I would say, if if he would have. If he would have like actively pursued a music career, he would have been, he could have been LL Cool J. Wow. Like this guy, no matter how hard I went home and prepared, like, okay, it's like we we had like a girls against the guys rap crew thing going on in school. And I was the best of the girls. So I just kind of got pushed to the lead and he was the best of the guys. So it's like whenever it was Cornelius' turn to rap, all the girls would just look at me like, yes, sir! I'm like, oh, man, I just rap, okay. So I got to take on Cornelius, fine. And no matter how hard I prepared, no matter how hard I wrote and memorized, and he could just, like, come off the head and and give you bars and make people laugh. And he he just had that, he had that ability to come up with stuff like, well, freestyling. He right, right. he had a he had a really natural ability to freestyle and, and make it sound good, like not just rhyming basic words, but sound like it would sound like something he had written down and memorized. But he would just clown you about what you're wearing from head to toe. And I was this little stick figure. I didn't have any boobs. I didn't have any butt. <laughs> like he could just like he could just rattle off these lines and 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 just make the whole crowd like erupt with laughter. And I think I'm still scarred. I think I I think I left I I, I think <laughs> moving forward I said I will never lose a battle again ever in life. No man will ever be better than me. <laughs> and it, it's, it's really been like, that was really like my thing. Like from I, my takeaway from that was I have to be better than the guys. Um, and I think one of the first things I, you know, you were on the Fuji's, but I think one of the first things I really heard you on was the Lyricist Lounge volume one with a BOK with Bahamadia. Mm hmm. Uh, and I know the story for you is that you were at a SOBs uh, doing, I think, a lyricist lounge set. Um, so can you just take us back to, just for people that don't know, like the importance of what 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 you knew about lyricist lounge prior to you know, go performing there, but also what was the importance of lyricist lounge for MCs and also for hip hop culture. Well, my manager at the time, A Blitz, put me onto the lyricist lounge movement. And from what I knew about it at that time, uh, it was kind of like a, a boot camp, if you will, 
for MCs and all of my early all of my early experiences in hip hop. I mean, naturally the the Fuji's being on that Fuji's album was like my first real like introduction to uh the industry. And uh subsequent to that, I became a part of this lyricist lounge movement. And or was it even before that? It might have been. No, actually, I'm trying to think. When did I? No, because I was doing Lyricist Lounge when I was pregnant. So, no, it was, it was before the Fugees. Uh, yeah, it was, it was pre-96. So, um, what, I w- what I was learning uh, in working with Lyricist Lounge was uh, touring, just, just basically how to be an artist. It was, it was grooming me for being a, uh, to being an artist, uh, surrounding myself with the creme de la creme of MCs. Like now, fast forward twenty something years, everybody who was a part of that movement are who we deem to be, you know, like the best of the best, the the most deaths, the Talibs, the Common, Black Thought, and you know they weren't they weren't uh, then who they are now, but it was like I didn't realize that this movement really created a whole uh, separate system of, of of elite artists. It was it was literally like the Mickey Mouse Club for for Boom Baptist, and and I didn't realize that's what was happening at the time. I just knew that we were representing, you know, what we've always felt to uh, what, what we always consider to be real hip hop. So that was something that I always considered myself and, and my whole mantra with dirty being dirty Harriet, AKA Harriet Thugman, AKA Harriet Tubman, all of that was really a, just a part of me saying, Hey, you know, I'm this underground female. Like, even when I was on the top of my game and, you know, on the charts and mainstream all over the place, I'm on MTV. I'm on MTV, TRL, uh, talking about how I'm this underground rapper. So it it was like, it never registered. Like, I I looked at being underground as, like, you know, a a thing to be embraced. Like, I I loved it. Like, I loved being a part of that grassroots culture, society. So even with all of the the fame and fortune that came with being affiliated with Busta Rhymes and Flipbo Squad, there was always still that attachment to the underground. And and for me, uh, my heart of hearts always made me, you know, feel like, no matter how big I get, like, this is where it's at. Culture is, you know, over everything. I think, you know, you look at your career and you've obviously been um, just surrounded by, uh, I think, very I mean, great people, uh, great artists, and you've constantly learned how to, I think, constantly develop your art and yourself as a person. I kind of, before talking more about your music, I wanted to see if we could, if I could just kind of thought a few names and kind of you talk about the importance of them to you uh, at that time, or even looking back now in 2020. Uh, so of course, um, t- you mentioned him before, but twice the flavor. Twice the flavor. Uh, for me, we were definitely ahead of our time. Um, it's unfortunate that the, the, the hip hop industry now doesn't really have a, a 
a group of females. We, I would say we were, you know, we were mob deep. We were, you know, we were the locks. We, well, okay, locks got three people, but we were MOP. Like we were, you know, we were that. Like we were two hardcore females who whose styles were separate but complemented each other. And I feel like uh, if if there was, I guess the the only female rap duo we have today would be the the city girls i i I wish there was i've i've even put this out on social media before like it would be my dream right now um i I would just put on a whole different hat of managers slash i would start a label if i could find two females who embody what we did as twice the flavor and and i i would really go out here and 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 try to make them into something I've said on Twitter before, like, Hey, any, you know, any girls, uh, well, actually, you know, who, you know, who we do we do have now we have uh gifted gab and limes now. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I want to take credit for that because, um, I heard them. I know they were separate at one point and I know they did a song together and I actually hit them up like, yo, you girls need to become a group. And, yes. and as, I mean, I'm sure I'm not the only person that said it, but at some point they did become a group and I'm just going to toot my own and say, I did that. <laughs> that is my work right there. <laughs> is there, I mean, before I ask you, is there a, I mean, is there hesitancy for two girls to collab together by the artist or is it more the, the push of the, I guess the industry that doesn't. Uh, I think it just, I, I think it just has to be organic. Like it's, it's definitely like girls are, you know, we're, we're weird by nature. We're emotional creatures by nature. I think it's hard to just pluck two girls from two different places and, and put them together and say, listen, you're a group now. I think there has to be some sort of bond already in place personally in order for it to work professionally. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. So I'm going to move on, but uh, obviously the, the, I have to ask you, of course, about the the outsiders and kind of the impact they've had on you or had on you as your career. The outsiders. I mean, Hey, as far as I'm concerned, uh, they are some of the best lyricists, out there and I've always felt that I've I've always felt like uh, we had the you know we had the dopest click as far as bars go like I I felt you know flip mode served their purpose in my professional career but I feel like every everything that I learned and and, and cultivated from the art of emceeing came from the outsiders Hmm. Uh, Q-tip Q-tip saved my life straight up. <laughs> Q-tip, Q-tip just like literally when I told this man I had 30 days to get a record deal uh, before I didn't know what sort of music career I was going to have because I was going to have to put everything on hold to have this raise this kid. And he said his response to me was 
I'll sign you. And and he did it. What do you think? I mean, yeah, what what do you think was it about you that, you know, that that impressed him? That you know, that he took a chance, uh, so to say. I I believe he saw that I wasn't playing. I, I mean, naturally the 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 skill set and the talent had to be there, but there there's something about, you know, talking to a person, having that eye-to-eye contact. Because I'm pretty sure I'm not the first person that said to him, yo, man, look me up with a record deal. Right. But I think he could see in my eyes with that eight-month uh, pregnant <laughs> belly that, like, I meant it. And then, you know, and then the icing on the cake was uh, later on that week, he was hosting a Lyricist Lounge uh, showcase that I was headlining and I don't think anybody saw a pregnant girl get on stage and and rap like that and and just you know deliver like that pregnant like oh she was not playing she really trying to get a record deal like basically it just signified to him that a baby is cuz I'm I'm pretty sure you know with any business exec or any business move you're going to make you have to think of your business first like you know oh is this going to be a headache with the new baby like am I going to have problems getting her in the studio with the new baby and I'm pretty sure these are things that will probably go through any executive's head if you're dealing with a, a pregnant artist but I think the fact that I was willing to get on stage at two o'clock in the morning in a hundred degree venue and wrap my ass off I think I think it just let him know like nah she she means business for real like I I can you know I can I can bet my money on this one. Uh, okay, how about Buster Rhymes? Buster Rhymes, uh, work ethic. He is someone that I I don't think I know anybody that works harder at anything than Buster Rhymes. Like. That man literally eats, breathes, sleeps, shits, studio. <laughs> he make he has been consistently, and this has been like since I've known him, like since the first day I met him, he's been like a prisoner of the studio. And he is still that to this day. And he just the the rate that he records, it's 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 unrealistic. It's like you can't possibly be coming up with your best rhymes working this much like you gotta allow your brain a chance to like sleep and refresh and i don't need he doesn't do that it's just it's just non-stop like brain power studio power with this guy BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. 
See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.